Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open to the letter of James. If you don't have a Bible, you can download a Bible app. We use the ESV Bible app. It's free. Or, of course, as always, the Bible in the sky will take care of your needs. It'll be up there behind me. So let me start with asking a question. Who in the room remembers what it's like to uh, go through a driver's training course? Can anybody think back that far? Yeah? You guys remember that? I, I was thinking back on the time that I myself went through a driver's training course, and it was in the summer of 1998. Yes. I know. I can start to act like I've been around for a while too now. See? Now, I got to thinking about this because my sons, who are 11 and 9, they started to ask, when can they drive? And when do they get the freedom to, to drive the car? What kind of car can they drive? And answering their questions caused this just flood of memories to come back when I went through driver's training. And back when I did it, and many who were around my age, you just went to your local high school in the summer. You signed up and you sat down and you took the course. Sign up and the goal was to attend with as many friends as possible. That was always the goal. And learning about the driving rules wasn't necessarily fun. Being with your friends was fun. Especially back in those days, you know, not even like you weren't excited to go sit in a classroom and learn about driving. Because at that point, your grandfather, your grandmother, uh, an older loved one, maybe a mom and dad, already took you to a parking lot and taught you how to drive. If you do that today, I, I don't recommend that. They will get you, okay? Now, that's how you learn to drive. The, the course was just a formality, okay? But it was a lot of fun. Driver's training to me was a lot of fun. And the most fun was in the final week. The final week of the course when I was given the opportunity to put what I had learned into practice. When I could actually take my driver's test. I remember it very well. The final week of the course, we were able to go out and drive around the city. And I'm from Grand Rapids, so we drove all around the city of Grand Rapids. And I drove with two friends who were in the back seat. An instructor in the passenger seat, by the way, who was always on high alert with that brake pedal. You guys know what I'm talking about? If he needed it, he was going to pump the brake pedal. And when I drove, he did need it because I almost backed in one of those yellow poles in the, in the gas station. That was me. I almost did that. That was my only flaw. So I am proud how I, how I performed. The other two friends that I was with had different experiences, okay? Let me set the scene. The instructor was a very tall, he was also one of our basketball coaches, so he, he kind of knew the guys and the gals that were in the class, he was very calm. He had a great haircut. Uh, it was a mullet. And he wasn't uptight. He just sat there. He was surprisingly soft-spoken. He just was. I, I think he knew that when you're training young adults to drive, you can't be too tense. And he also allowed us to listen to any music we wanted to, as loud as we wanted to, which was I thought was weird. But he let us have our own environment. So um, let me tell you, in the... In the Back in 1998, I had a friend who was in the driver's seat or driver's course, and he, that was really popular back then to lean back as far as you could, to just like see through where the steering wheel hit the dashboard, so you have like this little window, okay? And here's this, um, and that was the summer that DMX's debut album dropped, okay? So that was my driving experience. The instructor let us sit however we wanted, and uh, my friend played DMX as loud as he wanted. I was quite embarrassed that we were playing that in front of an adult, but for 30 straight minutes, that's how he drove. No worries, the instructor was not phased. I mean, the only, he only stopped to ask questions about the words, which he didn't quite understand. Another friend of mine, he took a different approach. The seat was very close to the steering wheel, as close as possible. There was no music. In fact, he started with music and then said, I have to shut it off. I can't concentrate, which is fine. And he was sweating the entire time. There was this one time where he was about to drive straight through a stop sign, a four-way stop sign. And 
As we got closer and closer, I think we all realized he's not going to break. He's just going to go straight through. And as calm as ever, the instructor said, so are you going to stop at that stop sign? And so he immediately just stopped, slammed on the brakes in the middle of the four-way stop. You just stopped right in the middle. And the instructor said, well, you, you can't stop here, right? This is not where you need to stop. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, we need to move, like, right. We can't just be sitting here. I wasn't supposed to say anything because they'd be mad at me. And that was, that was a good experience, not to mention how that one friend drove through the S-curve. It was like life or death, man, I tell you. But so many good memories about driver's training. And the hard truth was that not everybody passed the driver's test. Not everybody did. I remember one girl, um, she crashed into a large commercial dumpster while attempting a three-point turn in a parking lot. She didn't, she didn't pass. There are so many things to consider while driving. So many things to consider while driving. So today, if you or I were to go out driving, and if we wanted to arrive, to arrive safely to our destination, we must make the appropriate response to the ever-changing scene. That's really what driving is. I mean, every mile, there's a new decision to be made. If you want to arrive safely at your destination, you have to consider speed and braking and turning and all that kind of stuff. If you're going to drive well, while, while you're always changing to the scene and making decisions, you also can't fret over um, the philosophy of why the S-curve was created that way or why we use red, yellow, and green lights. You don't need to worry about any of that. You also don't need to fret over why that person in front of you seems to be speeding up and slowing down at the exact same time in front of you. Rather than worry about those things, when we're driving, our goal is to simply try to see and then do the next right thing based on what we're experiencing. That's driving. We need to know when to stop at the red, yellow, and green lights. We don't need to know why those colors are used. We just need to know what they indicate. Just like this, this morning, James, the letter we've been working through, we're in the chapter 3 of James, the author of the letter we're about to read, he will teach us about wisdom. It's going to be about wisdom this morning. And specifically, he's going to teach us the, the difference between Wisdom from above, it's called. Wisdom from God. And wisdom from the earth, earthly wisdom, which is described as unspiritual and demonic. See, in the same way we adjust to the ever-changing scenes while we're driving, we also need to adjust to the ever-changing scene called life. Here's what I want for you today. This is what I want for all of us. Um, and this is what I pray for as I was preparing this. I want you and I want I to be wise as we navigate this life. There's nothing, nothing really more important than using wisdom in our life. I, I want you and I to live within wisdom that comes from above. If you're a Christian here today, not everybody is. And if you're here for the first time, every Sunday is someone's first Sunday at this church. That's a big goal of ours is to be the most welcoming church we can be to anyone curious about church. If you're a Christian, I need to remind you, you've been given access to the wisdom that comes from above, that comes from the creator of the universe. Never forget that. And although we remember that, so often when we're faced with situations and circumstances in this life, we, we resort back to relying on the earthly wisdom that we came out of. And as we will see, James, he will tell us that wisdom from above and earthly wisdom are not only complete opposites, but they also are at constant odds with one another. Okay, that's where we're going this morning. So look at your Bibles, look up at the, at the Bible in the sky, let's read 13, 14, yeah, 13 through 18. I tried to actually say how many verses that was, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, James 3, 13 through 18. Let me read it to you. Who is wise and understanding among you? 
By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, and gentle, and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you guys pray with me? Let's pray. God, we just want to take a moment and, and pause and say thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible that we get to open and we get to read. We get to consume. And God, we ask that this, this word would change our lives today. We, we ask that the message that you have for your church would be clear. God, that your name would be famous and not ours or not mine. So teach us what we do not know. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the big idea. I'm going to give you a big idea for this morning, okay? Big idea. Wisdom. Wisdom is a quality that motivates certain types of behaviors. That's the big idea. Wisdom is a quality that motivates certain types of behaviors. Now, there is a misconception about the term uh, the word wisdom, and we must understand this before we move on. So when someone is wise, someone who is wise does not mean they understand everything that is going on because of some superior knowledge that they have attained. That's not the idea. But instead, wisdom provides the ability to do the right thing. That's what wisdom does. Think about it. In this term, wisdom is the word of God, the truth applied to your life. That's really what it is. It's the more you apply what God has told us through his word, the more wise we become. True wisdom is the application of what God has revealed to us through his word. And all other, in quotation, wisdom then is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Harsh words for earthly wisdom James has for us. Earthly wisdom, not like wisdom from above, is conceived through the rebellious heart of mankind. That's where it comes from. And that's why James says it is demonic. If you think back to the driving story, you, you do not need superior knowledge about why traffic lights are red, yellow, and green. You don't need to understand why they chose those colors. You really don't. You just need to know what those colors mean and what they're directing you to do. Then you need to do it or else you're not going to end up arriving safely. Too often we associate wisdom with our knowledge. That's what we do. The more I learn, the wiser I will become. And although that could be true in certain circumstances, that's not always true. We associate wisdom with status or with wealth. So we tend to think that as someone is wealthy, they must be wise. They must be wise. We also think if someone has a high-ranking status in society, they must be wise. It's just not necessarily true. It's not true. We also tend to think that someone with a ton of knowledge about a subject is wise. That's not true either. Because the poorest among us may be the wisest among us. The lowest in status among us quite often are the wisest among us. And the least educated among us have the ability to become the wisest among us. Because wisdom is a quality. It is a quality that motivates certain types of behaviors. Not a level of knowledge to be obtained. 
So then the behaviors of your life and my life will reveal the wisdom you are relying on. The two types of wisdom James is talking about. If you were to take an internal poll of your life, you'd say, based on how my life is going, based on how I or my family or my loved ones or my friends or my coworkers make decisions, what type of wisdom am I going towards? What am I relying on? Everyone in this room has experienced some different things. Everyone in this room lives with earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom. So let's look at what the Bible says about both so we understand it just a little bit more. I'm going to read three verses from the Bible that talk about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. They are not on the screen, so you'll have to just follow along with me. Here's one. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Number two. It is better to take refuge, safety in the Lord than to trust in man. Number three. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. The Bible, the, the, the authority in our life, remember the Bible is up here in our life, okay? It's not here. We don't like negotiate with it, although we do negotiate with it. We don't want to negotiate with all times and we don't stand on top of it. We don't tell it what to do. So many things have gone wrong in our lives and in history because we've told the Bible what it means rather than looking at what God has said. That's a lot about wisdom. Let's read some more, three more. When pride comes, when we're prideful, then comes disgrace, but, one of the best words in the Bible, but with the humble there is wisdom. Number two, there is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Number three, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his slash her opinion. How many people are guilty of that? Yeah, you can nod. Thank you. One honest 11-year-old in the whole place. We can learn from you, my brother. Okay. We all live within this tension. Because there is tension because we, we want to live within the wisdom that God gives us, but earthly wisdom is so attractive because it elevates us. It'll elevate our status, our knowledge. We think that's helping us. It is not. And when we rely on our own wisdom, James says it will lead to selfish ambition and jealousy. There's a story told of a man, two men in a city. They both lived in a certain city. One was jealous and the other one was greedy. He was selfish. The ruler of the city sent for them and said, hey, come to my kingdom. I got a proposition for you. So they come to the king, and he says, I'm going to grant both of you one wish. You both get one wish. But this is the qualification, that the one who chooses first will get exactly what he asks for. That's a pretty good deal. You agree? That's good. Say, come on. Yeah, thank you. You'd get exactly what he asked for, while the other man would get exactly twice what the first man asked for himself. The first one gets exactly what he asks for, and the other man gets twice for himself what that man asks for. The jealous man was ordered to choose first. The jealous man was ordered to choose first, but immediately found himself unable to decide. Well, why? Because he doesn't want to give anything to that man regardless of what he gets. He's jealous. He wanted to choose something great for himself, but he realized that if he did so, the other would get twice as much, and he could not live with that. He thought for a while thought for a while, and then finally he said, I have my request, 
pluck one of my eyes out. That's us, <laughs> just so you're aware. He could not handle that man having more than him, so he figured, well, I'll have one eye. He'll have none. I still win. Game over, right? Maybe this is that story. Maybe you don't totally understand it. Maybe you totally don't get it. So let me, let me see what this sounds like in our life, okay? Jealousy and selfish ambition. Here's sometimes how we say it. Okay, maybe I can, so I'm speak, preaching to myself, so you guys need to hug me afterwards, okay? But maybe, maybe you say this to yourself too. God, if you're not going to bless me, don't bless anyone. I'm sick of that person over there being blessed. I hate them. God, why do you bless them? I'm so much more worthy of the investment. I could go so much farther with your power and your strength. Or maybe this, God, why have you placed all these incompetent people around me? can't take it. Selfish ambition will cause you, here's what it does, church, it causes you to treat other people as objects, not people. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone, everywhere, always, image bearers, intrinsic value, everywhere, always. And when we're selfish, it, it forces us to look at them like objects, not people. Jealousy will lead you to greed then. Selfish ambition causes you to treat people as objects. Jealousy will cause you to be greedy because you cannot allow and you will not allow any other people around you to succeed. Church, we talk about this a lot. I've never met a happy, joyful, greedy person. Those two do not go hand in hand. These are the weeds, the selfish ambition, the jealousy. These are the weeds which go strong in order to choke out the life in us. And these weeds are born from the seed of earthly wisdom. But, but, remember the best word in the Bible, a lot of like crazy stuff, but Jesus, right? But the Christian message is one of, uh, is a huge message of good news. That's what it is. The church has the good news. To any and all who would come to Jesus, they are given the ability to shed selfish desires, and they are free to live in a new spirit. They have access from wisdom from above. The same spirit of wisdom capable of reordering the heart and the mind. See, the wisdom from above has the power to reorder your lives. Earthly wisdom, wisdom from below and our level in our world, it'll never reorder your life for any good. It's never going to amount to anything that you're happy of. You only wish that the other guy's eyes are plucked out. It goes to my main point. It's a big idea. Here's the main point then. Wisdom from above, one main point. Wisdom from above has the power to reorder our disorderly lives, okay? I think the way it's written is kind of directed at you, my bad. Wisdom from above has the power to reorder your disorderly life. A little harsh. Imagine a world where people turned away from selfish ambition and instead turned towards the good of others. Imagine a world like that. Just think of it. Instead of lashing out at others, we forgave them. James talks a lot about the tongue. We've covered some of that already in our journey through James. Instead of enacting our own justice by way of our anger, physical harm, gossip, slander, and just straight out being salty, instead of that, what if we showed mercy? What if we actually didn't give people what they always deserved? You know, kind of in the same way we don't get what we deserve from God because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
We love God's mercy, yet we hate to be merciful. We have to be honest with ourselves. It's hard. I'll add this. We have the power and the ability to show mercy to others, and here's why. There's really one reason. It's because Jesus will return and judge all the wickedness of the earth. And he says, vengeance is mine. Something we don't often like to think about. We don't have an, an eternal perspective. We don't sometimes the day-to-day grind. We got kids, we got families, we got work, we got friends, we got relationships, money problems. We got all these things we're thinking about, and yet we forget that this struggle and the wickedness that we see on the news and here in our community, that wickedness will end when Jesus returns, and that wickedness will be judged. Amen? Therefore, we don't, we don't need to display our wrath. It's God's job. Vengeance is his. We should leave it to him. Instead of our marriages and friendships barely getting by, instead of just sitting back and allowing time to heal our wounds, who's really good at that? Is that good? Got some chuckles? Instead of allowing time to heal the wounds, what if we were committed to purity and peace? Making peace with one another. Being the one quick to forgive. Listen, uh, dating, about to get married, looking for someone to marry, already married, whatever. Whoever you meet and whoever you decide to do your life with and that covenant promise, would you please make sure that your goal is to outdo them in forgiveness. Outdo them in forgiving. Be the one who shows up first and says, I was wrong. Outdo them. Make it a competition. And put money in a jar when you do it, okay? And that way you can, like, have a goal or something. All that's to say, like, I cannot be the only one, and I know I am not, and there are people here today that we desire to live differently than we have lived this week or even maybe this morning. This is the place where everyone's welcome and no one is perfect. I can tell you that we all have a different burden. See, we're not perfect here. There's one perfect person who has ever lived, and that is Jesus, and that is exactly why we are here. There's no other reason. Is there anyone who is tired of picking up the pieces of those failed relationships over and over again? I'm going to say yes, and I hope you do as well. And the good news that James has for us is that Jesus has made it possible to live differently, to reorder your life so that you rely on wisdom from above. He has made it possible to grow in peace, he says, and gentleness and purity and mercy. That's what it says. James 3, the, the, verse 17. But wisdom from above, then, is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, right? Full of mercy and good good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, that's all good things. And and we say, yes, I want that wisdom from above. That's the the area I want to live in. I want to reorder some of the things that have been tearing me down. But there is one obstacle in our way. There's one obstacle that we must overcome. And before we have access to wisdom from above, which has the power to reorder our lives, we must first, James says, become meek. Meek. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of his wisdom. This is the key to the passage. This is where the power is found. If you desire to reorder your life, you must first become meek. And the evidence of your meekness is the quality of your wisdom. The evidence of your meekness is the quality of your wisdom. Let me explain. So we may not all understand or try to uh, not figure out the word meek 
It's not a word that's used a whole lot today. So I want you to think of the word uh, gentleness. It could be the same thing. Gentleness. Or this phrase, power under control. Power under control. Meekness does not mean being a victim or let people walk all over you. That's not the, that's not the case. And although Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth, that, that does not mean we sit back and let people destroy us, but rather it is power under control. So think of the word gentleness as well. It's, gentleness is a good word. It's never bitter. It's never self-seeking. It's never self-promoting. Never arrogant or vengeful. And the important thing is that meekness should characterize every Christian without exception. We must be characterized by gentleness and meekness. This is what the Christian is to grow into, to mature into. This is the foundation of our faith, is to be gentle and meek. Gentleness is understanding when not to speak. You ever thought about that? See, most of the times we're actually trying to figure out when to speak, which I agree, there's times, right, we need to say something. But I think right now we can all think about a situation this past week and you thought, yeah, I, I, sh I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that was the wrong thing to say at that moment. See, gentleness and maturity is actually understanding when not to speak. And if you do speak, gentleness is understanding the right things to say, the wise things to say. And here's why this is important to know. Here's why understanding what gentleness is is important to the passage. Because without first becoming meek and gentle, you will never understand the power of possessing wisdom from above. You'll never understand it. You won't get it. Because you'll use your selfish ambition and only take this power for your own gain. You'll never be gentle enough to handle the power. So let's apply this. Let's move into our application. I think the question that remaining is this before we apply um, that leads into the application is, is how, how can I possess wisdom from above? That's the question. So how do we do this? How do we notice wisdom and gain wisdom and live in wisdom from above? And it just so happens that each one of these points, I'll have four points of application. It just so happens that it will require you to become meek and gentle. They, it will ask you to lay aside your pride and maybe for the first time in your life, it will reveal a path to the reordered life through the gospel. That's where we're at. Four applications will be on the board behind you. Number one, four ways to obtain wisdom. Brandon, you ready? Say ready. Yeah, he's behind the scenes. Everybody loves Brandon. Say hi, Brandon. He does a great job. Okay, number one, fear the Lord. That's the first one. Fear the Lord. Some of us are going to struggle with this word, fear the Lord. It's hard. It's hard to understand. Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm is, is a book of the Bible in the middle of your Bible. It's a lot of poetic writing over the years when this Bible was being put together. Here's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So to even start, we must fear the Lord, fear God, fear Jesus. And when and only when we see God for who he is, holy, perfect, awesome, loving, sovereign, it's only then and only when we embrace a respectful fear of him. And that leads us to the door of wisdom. It's only then. And some of you right now, you've heard God be a father. You've heard God be sort of sovereign control of everything. And you, you just lash out at that. You can't get on board with that because you've had a bad experience. 
with a father figure, with an authoritative figure. Somebody has used their power in a sinful way in your life. And you're like, look, like the Jesus thing is great. But as far as God being an authoritative vote of me, I tried that. It didn't work. I don't want any of that. And fear was used in a sinful way against you in your life. Parents, let me give you a disclaimer. Just because your kids fear you doesn't mean you're winning. If they obey you because of they're afraid of you, that's not winning. But if they have a respectful reverence of you, it's the same type of fear that we need to have for God. We must not take this lightly. We are not gods. We will never reach the status of God. We are created image bearers of him. We are to be like a mirror to reflect who he is to the world, to reflect his love and his mercy and his goodness. But we will only be able to do this if we first develop a healthy fear of him. If you are relying on yourself, if you are prideful, if you think you can do this life all on your own, you will never fear the Lord. That is the very first step, is to recognize that there is a God above you. Number two, number one, fear the Lord. Number two, meet Jesus. We talk about that a lot around here. So our, our vision to plant this church, the mission is always the same. There is no other mission in the church. The church has one mission globally. That's to introduce people to Jesus. That's it. Our vision for doing that is to reach people far from God so they will meet and mature in Jesus. That's what we do. Everything, that's what, that's what it's all aimed at. And there's a phrase in the New Testament, the right portion of your Bible, it gets repeated some 160 times. Here's the phrase, in Christ, those two words, in Christ, in Messiah, in the Savior, in Jesus. That's the Christ part. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, in Christ, repeated some 160 times. When you become a Christian, you are in a dynamic relationship with God because of your relationship with Jesus. It's because of what Jesus did and who he is that allows us a relationship with God. The Bible says that all wisdom is to be found in Jesus. That's another clue for you. Who became to us wisdom from God? The reordering of our life begins at what the church calls conversion. It's when you are born again. It's when your spirit is made new. It's when your heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. And you open your eyes to the truth for the first time that a God created everything perfectly. And we, our rebellion, our sinful nature, messed it all up. But there was one whom God would send that would live a perfect life on our behalf. And he would die the death that we deserved. So we could stand in his place in Christ. Fear the Lord. Meet Jesus. Number three, consume the word, the Bible. Consume it with everything that you have. Read it. Meditate on it. Get somewhere quiet. Listen to it. Sing it. I don't care. Consume what the Bible has to say. The Bible is described as the word of God. And the Bible is our authority and it is our life. Wisdom comes from reading the Bible. The only way we know who our God is is because we can read and meditate on his word. That's it. We fall into the trap where we will actually, let's say we're walking this way in life, and we think God is speaking to us, and then a year down the road we realize that everything that we thought God was saying was just the bad pizza, and it went against what he says in the Bible. We do it all the time. We convince ourselves that what we're doing is right, but it usually contradicts what God says to do. So we got to start here we got to start with consuming the word of God. Let me read this from Psalm 119. 
It's a little long. It's not up here. I'm just going to read it. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from the evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I would encourage you to find time to spend with God by reading the Bible. Last one, number four, pray first. You got to pray first. Back in James uh, chapter 1, verse 5, when we started this whole book, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Plain and simple. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Why? Because he will give generously to everyone without reproach. That's what he says. God says to anyone who asks with faith and belief in his power, he will give them wisdom from above. So wisdom is the quality which motivates certain types of behaviors. Wisdom from above has the power to reorder your life. And so I would encourage you to fear the Lord. Rest in your relationship in Jesus Christ because you are in Christ. Consume his word and seek him through prayer. I'll end with this. And remember, I get like seven minutes to end. In the ancient times, there was a young ox. And the young ox was always put aside an older, more mature ox, and they were yoked, right? That big wooden thing you see on the back of their neck sometimes in a movie, that's the yoke. So a young ox would place with a more mature ox, and here's why, so that he could be trained properly to perform properly. By bearing the same yoke, the untrained ox learned the proper pace and how to head the direction of the master. To anyone who is burdened with their current order of life, To anyone who is tired of searching for more earthly wisdom that ends up bankrupting your soul, which has never softened or removed the suffering of your life. To anyone in that place today, Jesus calls you to rest in him. Here's what he says. Come to me, all who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. Jesus is meek. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray, church. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its instruction, its correction, its rebuke, all of it put together. God, would you just... Would your spirit change something in our hearts and our minds?